And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. So this scripture we heard today is commonly referred to as the Magnificat, and it is one of four canticles in uh, Luke's gospel, Luke's birth narrative gospel uh, there. Uh, this one told by, by Mary. And when I say it's a canticle, what that basically means is it, it was likely a hymn that was sung uh, in the normal kind of worship experience of the early church and maybe even the Jewish uh, synagogues before that. And here, Luke puts it on the lips of Mary as she rejoices uh, over the news about Jesus coming. And actually, it doesn't, it comes a little bit after that. We pick up the Mary here after Gabriel has come to her and said, uh, Mary, you know, blessed are you, uh, <laughs> you will be, uh, the, you will be giving birth to a savior and, uh, you know, it's gonna be great. And of course, she's perplexed by this. How can this be? For I am a virgin. How can, how can this possibly be? But Gabriel assures her that it is a good thing. And she consents or concedes that and says, you know, uh, you, you know, God, I am your servant. Your will be done. Uh, do with me as you please. And then immediately she runs off to her favorite aunt, Elizabeth. Right, which is actually probably like a three-day journey, right, to get from where she is over to Elizabeth's house, and she gets there, and Elizabeth greets her with joy and exclaims to Mary, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? This is what Elizabeth says. And as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. That child was John the Baptist. Leapt for joy in Elizabeth's womb. Well, Elizabeth was quite a remarkable story as well. And this story we pick up today kind of intertwines their two lives. Elizabeth... Uh, was quite elderly, long past the age of childbearing, and didn't have any children anyway because she had been declared barren, un unable to have children. And then comes the news. <laughs> uh, you will be with child, and that child will be a great prophet. And she's talking, of course they're talking about John the Baptist. And filled with the Holy Spirit, she declares this. So here they are. This is, it's quite a ridiculous story, really. Here they are, two poor, marginalized women 
in, in the poor part of town. One uh, older lady about to have a baby, about, you know, probably three, six months along, about to have a baby. That probably looked a little ridiculous to the neighbors. And here is this young, young woman who's never been married, unwed mother, poor, marginalized, oppressed. And there they stand, pregnant with all the hope of the world amongst them. And in the middle of all of this craziness, ridiculousness, in the middle of all of this disruption, imagine how disruptive this was to their life. Not to mention that Elizabeth's husband, because he, he got snippy with Gabriel about the whole baby coming to my barren wife business. He, got, he was not able to speak until Jesus was born. And so he hasn't even been able to talk this whole time, which was a blessing to Elizabeth, but it left everyone else kind of wondering what was going on. This was a, there was a ridiculous story, and there's, there's a lot of foolishness going on, and there's a lot of chaos. How disruptive this must have been to all their lives. To Mary, who had all these plans. Now she has to go to Joseph and explain what's going on. Matthew, uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew, really deals with Joseph's reaction to all of that and the conundrum he was put in. What an incredible disruption. What, uh, how many nights they must have stayed up wondering about this and fretting and filled with anxiety and yet here they are together in the midst of all of this chaos Mary begins to sing my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed for the Mighty One has done great things for me and holy is His name. That's making lemonade out of lemons, i got to say. Rejoicing in the midst of very disruptive, crazy goings on. And she finds in herself the ability to rejoice, and even more than that, offers profound significance to this birth. You may look at me, she says to the world, it seems. You may look at me and wonder where my parents went wrong. You may look at me and wonder what is she going to do. You may look at me with pity, but future generations will call me blessed. And more than that, this child will scatter the proud, will bring down the powerful, will lift up the lowly, will fill the hungry, and will send the rich away empty, and will be the fulfillment of every promise Israel was ever given. Oh, she rejoices even in the midst of chaos and mayhem and foolishness and ridiculousness. She looks to God and says, I know you're up to something. 
in the middle of all of this. This story invites us in the midst of our own chaos, in the midst of our own ridiculousness, in the midst of our own mayhem to rejoice in the things that God is doing in the midst of them. And this is one of those sentiments that can easily be dismissed as just platitudes or be considered naive. You know, count your blessings. It makes it for a beautiful hymn, but how practical is it really? Uh, or how about this one? When God closes a door, He opens a window. And sometimes it feels like so He can throw you out of it. <laughs> But you know, I mean, we kind of, we say these pithy things, but, but ultimately there is a reality here that in the midst of the chaos, when we can, when we can collect ourselves, when we can stop and look around and ask the question, where is God at work in all of this? And we all know from experience, it's not that God is a, a genie in a bottle who makes it all disappear and fixes everything automatically and poof, everything's good again. It's not what we're talking about. But as we look around like Mary did, look around and see that God is up to something, even in the midst of our circumstances. And, you know, the first thing I want to say is that God is not handing out trials. For you and me. You know, I know this story kind of, God is doing something and it's very disruptive in Mary's life and sometimes that case, but for the most part, life just happens. God is not coordinating difficulties as a character building exercise for you and me. Stuff just happens. However, in the middle of it all, I promise you this, God is there. God is active. God is in our midst holding out a hand, pointing to light, doing a new thing, and helping us to learn, and calling us to wholeness in the midst of every chaotic, ridiculous struggle that makes us throw up our hands and go, are you kidding me? Really? Again? I hear Mary's song today. I'm challenged to rejoice. Rejoice when I, I get that one more phone call about someone who's, who's sick. To look around and find God at work in the midst of this. To Look to God and light when I hear one more time someone has lost something. Or when I myself find myself struggling. Many of us may be dealing with work issues or wondering where our work is going to come from and where our paychecks are going to come. We're concerned about family. Maybe someone in our midst is hurting or hurting themselves chaotic out there. It's mayhem. It's bedlam. How do I rejoice in that? 
I think Mary calls us to look around and try and see a bigger picture and try and find within it the light. And it's not necessarily that our character is built by these, but that that where do we gain the strength to go through these trials? It comes from God. The God who comes alongside. The God who carries us forward. Where do we turn to when we've run out of places to turn? To God. Who says, I feel everything you're feeling. I weep while you're weeping. I long for the things you long for too. I'm doing my best to point the world toward those good things. And we are challenged by Mary to look for it. And to see how out of the chaos God is going to do a new thing. In the same way He did with Jesus Christ. In the midst of a dark, dark time, a light shined in that darkness. The darkness did not overcome it. Let us pray. Great and loving God, it's, it's a difficult thing. In the very real sufferings and traumas of our life, in the very real crises, in the very real struggles, You ask us to rejoice. We struggle with that, God. We ask that You would help us look around and see where You are in the middle of it all. That we might join You there. That we might draw from Your strength. That we might follow You out of the chaos and into peace. That we might lean on hope even when there is despair. For we know that as we are able to do this, even in the difficult times, there will be joy. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In the precious and powerful name of Christ we pray.